we broke the drought, almost, by George Parwell. Not since 1902 had the Steiger Vortex gun been fired, but after all, there was a drought on. Out the Boy Scouts Hall in Charleville, Queensland, stands a curious monument to man's eternal hopes of controlling nature. It is a cannon of sorts, nearly three times the height of a man. With a wide muzzle tapering to a narrow base, the thing had the shape of an upside-down candle snuffer or a forefather of the modern bazooka. The Charleville cannon has never been fired in anger, only against innocent clouds. I first saw the clumsy monster some 20 years ago. The occasion, an inaugural flight to Charleville in a new Flying Doctor ambulance plane. My lasting impression of that 1,600 kilometres circuit of sheep and cattle runs was of arid, desolate landscapes desiccating under a relentless sun. From one flat skyline to another, there was little but bare red soil, drying water holes, dust rising, and pastures eaten to stubble by stock. Everywhere, the main topic of conversation was rain, or the absence of it. In western Queensland, stockmen will tell you wryly that their scanty annual rainfall, which can be as little as five inches, comes largely from storms that get lost on their way to somewhere else. Months pass without a cloud in that Madonna blue bowl of sky, and even when clouds do eventually appear, they fail frequently to disgorge rain. Hence the esteem among ancient Aboriginal tribes for rainmakers. Even somebody as hard-headed as Queensland cattle king Sir Sidney Kidman refrained from poking fun at these sorcerers. Get those rainmakers busy, he'd instruct his backcountry managers. Give them some more flour, sugar and tea. During my Charleville visit, however, rainmaking had taken a more practical turn. A specially equipped DC-3 was based at the airport, operated by the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organisation as a flying laboratory. It was there to seed clouds, an experimental practice that had already had some success in other more moisture-bearing regions. However, the problem around Charleville was to find the clouds. Perhaps it was the presence of that aerial rainmaker that prompted us to act the way we did. Returning to town with the flying doctor's pilot one day, I ran across a young grazier I knew. Let me show you something, he said. He took us down a side street past the cinema and into the fenceless backyard of a weatherboard cottage. There, among weeds and bank grass, lay that monstrous candle snuffer of a gun. Someone had chalked on its barrel in large, irregular letters, The Rainmaker, Steiger Vortex Gun used at Charleville 1898, by Clement Ragg. It really was a mighty affair. The mystery was how it could be fired, for although the muzzle was 76 centimetres in diameter, there was only a small hole at the other end. We were still speculating when an old man appeared at the cottage's back door. This belonged to you? I asked. That's right, mate. She's the last of her kind. All the others got melted down. The old fella told us he remembered those guns first being fired 50 years ago when he was a boy in short pants. He said he thought there had been six of them, though records I looked up later said there were ten. It turned out that he was right, although he had chalked the wrong date on his Vortex gun. The actual year of their use had been 1902. 
but they had been fired, no question of that, and by the celebrated Clement Ragg, a government meteorologist down in Brisbane, Ragg had been deeply concerned by the six-year drought that began in 1896, the grandfather of all droughts, as old hands called it long after. Throughout Queensland, millions of sheep and cattle perished, pastoralists went bankrupt, many stations were abandoned. So Ragg decided to borrow a technique he had seen used in northern Italy. When vineyards there were threatened by hailstorms, Approaching clouds were blasted with giant guns designed by a German named Steiger. The blasts turned hailstones into innocuous rain. Rag visited Europe to investigate rain-producing techniques. He contacted Herr Steiger for specifications and had similar guns made in Brisbane. After an 800-kilometre rail journey out west, he positioned them at strategic points around Charleville. They really were simple enough to fire. No ammunition was needed. All one had to do was mount them on wooden blocks, point them to the sky, pour gunpowder into a loading breech and light a fuse. The rest was a mighty blast of air. The old man, Bob McGuire, told us there had been an uproar in the town on the day of the initial firing. A market gardener's horse bolted and wicker baskets, fruit and vegetables scattered everywhere. Galloping wildly with a lurching cart behind, that poor horse ran into more explosions wherever it went. But did they bring any rain? Not as far as he remembers, McGuire said. Clement Ragg tried again. As before, the cloud conditions were promising. The net result was that two guns blew up in the faces of their firers. Happily without damage to all concerned, reported the Charleville Times. But there was no rain either. Subsequent explosions were of another kind. Several councillors attacked the mayor for wasting public money. He had, without their consent, they claimed, voted £50 towards the cost of manufacturing the guns. The mayor, trying to save face, at once put the blame on Rag, who apparently left the town in a huff. There were further repercussions when Herr Steiger heard of the affair. The German wrote berating Rag for his foolishness in trying to make rain with a device never designed to do so. It was one thing to turn hail into rain, quite another to conjure it out of empty air. Soon thereafter, the guns were sold to a blacksmith's shop, where Bob McGuire worked at the time. Somehow McGuire became owner of that last gun, which was fired in the Charleville Centenary celebrations of 1947. What's wrong with trying it out again, I asked him. No, I wouldn't come at that. Be hell to pay in town. We were very persuasive, however. We wanted to see how it worked, and after all, there was a drought on. Who knew that Herr Steiger's famous gun might not have some effect this time? McGuire remained wary of us, but agreed to set up the gun. Together we heaved and strained, propping it into an almost vertical position. McGuire produced a packet of gunpowder, and we poured some into the breech. What do you use for a fuse? the flying doctor pilot asked. Well, anything will do. A rolled-up newspaper, anything. I handed him my paper. My grazier friend struck a match. By this time, several bystanders had appeared. Seeing the newspaper catch a light, they ran for cover. It was not clear if they were preparing to shelter from the rain or if they simply remembered the last explosion. We three visitors crouched behind some buttresses shoring up the cinema walls. McGuire, our battery commander, was left alone 
holding the flaming newspaper. Several times he lit the train of gunpowder running for safety. Each time the thread of fire went out. And then, at last, it was a tremendous bang that must have been heard far away. A weird whining sound followed, soaring almost visibly into the upper air, fading slowly like a receding jet-propelled plane. Dogs began barking up and down the street. People ran out of houses. Inexplicably, a number of boys on bicycles appeared. But that was all, at least in Charleville. Then, an hour later, rain was reported to have fallen at Kunnamulla, 160 kilometres away. Who knows? Perhaps Herr Steiger's device worked after all. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.